The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, man, I just want to say thank you for braving through that blizzard. <laughs> Didn't happen, did it? All right, praise God, we, we're having church. I'm so glad, I wanted to preach this so much. So uh, we're glad you're here, I'm Pastor Ken, and uh, we're going to be talking this morning about building a family legacy. Let's pray, we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you today for your word We approach you this morning with reverence, with joy. Thank you that Jesus always builds us up. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to do in our midst to encourage everybody. May we leave here different than we came in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're talking about building a family legacy. You know, it's we had Thanksgiving and we're in the Christmas season, right? So it's family. You know, a lot of family, family you love, family you maybe love not so much. I don't know, you you know, there's always people in your family that are, you know, different, right? I just, I just recall back to when Trudy and I were just married and uh, we're not even serving God yet, but we went to my uncle AB's house in Lockney, Texas for Thanksgiving. And uncle AB, his name was Albert Barney Blunt, my great uncle, my dad's uncle. And uh, he, he was a trip. He was hard of hearing. He was in his seventies and they did it. They made a really good Thanksgiving dinner. But then later in the afternoon, they had like a bedroom in the back where you could go back there and get, get spiked uh, eggnog. Anybody relate to that? And uh, this is before Christ for me. So I, I didn't go back there. But Uncle A.B. was, you know, he was hard of hearing. He had to talk really loud to him. But I noticed as the day went on, and I think he had a little eggnog, he began to sidle up to Trudy. Right? You know what I mean? It's like he would sit by her, and I'd see him talking to her, and he'd put, her on, put his arm around her, and, and Trudy doesn't have a clue. So I finally went to her and said, honey, don't sit by Uncle A.B. It's, it's not right, you know. So it's family, right? So family's a challenge sometimes, but God has designed us to produce a legacy as a Christian. A legacy. Everybody say legacy. legacy. And that begins in your family. And the word legacy here, I've got it in the notes says this, something handed down from a predecessor, a forerunner. Uh, this is usually associated with money or property. But let me say this. God has designed your life with Him to produce a legacy to the world. But that begins in your family. That begins with touching your family. Uh, when you go back to the very beginning of time, when God, in Genesis chapter 1, you know, He's creating the world, and then He makes a declaration, even before people are here, said He's going to create men and women in His image, right? And we are to be fruitful and to multiply. That's our assignment. Be fruitful and multiply. I want to break that down for you a little bit this morning. Uh, fruitful. Let's talk about what that means. Uh, when you produce fruit, your fruit comes from your root. We just had a series on, on roots, right? Wasn't that good? I learned some things. But your fruit can only come from your root. For instance, apples can only produce apples, right? Oranges produce oranges. But image of God was designed to produce image of God into the world. So that's the way God originally designed this to work. But here's the deal. Man fell. We fell from grace. And the image of God or the, the God part of us died We're dead without Jesus. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, you are of your father, the devil. 
The devil is our father. Wow, it's pretty strong. But the fact is that before we know Christ, we're dead unto God on the inside. But here's what Jesus came to do. Not just get you saved when you believe in him to take you to heaven. He came to, to live in you again. I know we know that, but sometimes I don't think we realize that. God, whenever you walked in the building, if you know Jesus and he's in you, he walked in the building with you this morning. You know, we, we sing about the presence of God and, that, and that's great. And we want his manifest presence in the midst of us. But the, the fact of the matter is, he is in you all the time. Whether you realize it or not. And God designed us now through Christ. He comes back to live inside of us. God lives on the inside of us. It's kind of like, look at it this way. You're like a hybrid. You know what a hybrid is, don't you? We have hybrid cars now that have two different power supplies. You've got the gasoline uh, engine, but then you've got an electric motor. And they work in conjunction to give you better gas mileage. And that, you could look at that. That's kind of like a Christian. You've got another motor on the inside of you. And it's God. And He wants to empower you. Uh, you know, a, 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 a mule is a hybrid of a donkey and a horse coming together. But a Christian is a hybrid of God and a human, human being coming together. And we've been recreated in Christ. I know you know this, but this is pretty exciting. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. And that word actually means a species of being that has never existed before. This is awesome. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we are created to be fruitful. And then this word multiply. What does that mean? Let me break that down for you. The, the root of this word in the Hebrew language where it comes from is very interesting. Because, is it, because it shares the same root word with the word rabbi. And a rabbi in, in Jewish faith is a teacher, right? Maybe you've heard that before. Uh, and this word implies teaching, leadership, and greatness. I want you to know there's, there's, there's a teaching gift in you. I'm not saying you, you'll teach on the platform. You know, we don't just let anybody on the platform. I mean, but, but you're to teach in your life. And you're to lead. And you are to produce a legacy of greatness. This is what God's design is for all of us. This is what one of the outstanding Jewish rabbis says about this. I'm just going to read this to you. To be fruitful and multiply means that God is telling us that becoming a parent means teaching and leading ourselves to become great people. We have the ability to transform whatever genetic, social, psychological, and spiritual input we received as children and reach for greatness. No matter what your roots are, no matter where you come from in Christ, you got a brand new start. And the will of God is for you to reproduce Him in life to the world. But this all begins in your family, right? Because we're talking about family this morning. It's like this. Trudy and I, we, we uh, were, she was my girlfriend in high school. In fact, she became my girlfriend when she was only 12 years old. And I was 14. Oh, isn't that sweet? And here's how it happened. This is so funny. I'd never seen her before. But I saw her one day at, at, a, at a choir thing that we were having for a school. And I, I just, she was in junior high. I was a ninth grader. I was much more mature. And uh, so I saw her and I, I just thought, man, she's beautiful. I like her. So this, this is so funny. But I wrote a note to a mutual friend of ours. And I don't even know her. And I, I sent it to her. And this girl takes the note to her. And it said, would you be my girlfriend? Signed, Kenny Blunt. 
So that she takes the note over and I'm kind of standing back here watching going, I don't even know her, but I'm asking her to be my girlfriend. And so she reads the note and, she, and then she looks at this, lady, this girl and she, and she points me out. And I see Trudy go. And that's how she became my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, you know, we're just these kids growing up and we'd go together, we'd break up. Then we'd go together and then we'd break up. And finally, I'm 19, she's 17, and we get married. And we, and we love each other. I mean, you know, but yet we can't get along because we're just fighting and don't know how to do life. And I got a problem with alcohol. And, and I'm going down a road that my dad had gone down, and I didn't want to do that. And, you know, the Bible talks about before we know Jesus, we do things when we don't want to do them. But we do them. Why is that? We don't have any power. But, man, we met Jesus. And I'm telling you, he rocked our world. And it all began in 1971 when we read a book. I'm not going to tell you the title of that book. I'm going to tell you the title at the end, okay? It's amazing, the title of this book. We read this book. Everything gets started. And we get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I get delivered from alcohol. Trudy had crossed eyes growing up. You've heard that story, some of you, before. She gets healed. So now, you know, we're just serving God. We knew we were called into ministry somehow. But there was a couple that was like a mentor to us. And they're about 10 years older than us. And they have little kids. We don't have any little kids. But uh, they began to, they were really good too. They began to get involved in ministry. He was a youth pastor, very successful college pastor. Then he started a church church blew up, grew to 2,000 really quickly, and they were having a lot of success in ministry, right? Now, we're supposed to reach the world, okay? But there's a difference in our ministry and then our serving God. Okay, let me say that again, because I'm going to plow this out as we go. There's a difference in you doing your ministry and then you serving God. And you serving God comes before you doing your ministry. That make sense? Here's what, I'm, here's what happened to them. They got so involved in the, in the mechanics of ministry. And ministry can be in, in consuming. It can engulf you because you're involved in people's lives. And you want to help people, right? And so they're, beginning, they're doing that, but they got so involved that their kids are growing up and they'd cancel family time. And they didn't have time for their kids. And the, the long story of this is sad, but they're, all their kids got away from God. And, it, and some of it was because they were jealous because they thought God was taking mom and dad away. The ministry, you know, we're not supposed to do ministry like that. See, our priority is family comes first. We serve God, but then we, we connect our marriage. And we make sure we're, we're doing what it takes to keep our marriage strong. Every day. And, and God gives you kids to raise. And you got to father your kids. Nobody else can do that like you. The calling of father and mother supersedes the calling of ministry. And we got to do ministry. We believe in that. This church is a ministry. But I'm just trying to, let, just trying to set priorities for you. And, and these guys, the, the end was very sad. They lost their ministry. Their kids aren't serving God today as they're grown up and they're older now. And God doesn't want you to be sad at the end of your life. Uh, there was a man named Billy Sunday. Maybe some of you have heard of Billy Sunday. He was a... Uh, he was a great evangelist back at the turn of the 20th century. He was born in 1862. He died in 1935. Billy Sunday, this is the day before mass media, no TV, of course, no, no radio. And he preached these crusades. And he was like Billy Graham of his day. He was powerful. And he preached to over 100 million people in his life. He shook the hands. Back in those days when people got saved, the preacher always shook their hand. 
He shook the hand of over one million people in his ministry. Uh, I've studied him a little bit. He was this like charismatic. He was different than any preacher that was going. He was like real charismatic. He was funny. And he had all these one-liners. And I've got a quote from, from Billy Sunday. Here's what he said. Your reputation is what people say about you. Your character is what God and your wife know about you. That ought to be in the Bible. That's so good. Uh, but so, but Billy Sunday's, you know, he's, he's diligently doing his ministry. But on his deathbed, this is his quote. And this is so sad. I have two sons in hell. If I had it to do all over again, I would give up the world and win my sons. See, Billy Sunday saw at the end of his life, here's the deal. You can have it all. You don't, you don't have to do, I'm not talking about just going home and sitting around the fireplace and never going out and doing what God's called you to do. I'm not talking about that. And I don't think he was talk, talking about that. I'm just saying we just have to prioritize the things of life. And when we do, and we have that kind of order, then we can fulfill everything God called us to do. You don't have to reach the world and give up your family. Right? See, Jesus doesn't want you to be sad at the end of your life. So how do we build this family legacy? Because I believe this. God wants families to be the heart of the church. The church is called to reach the world. But the church is made up of families. Of families serving God, right? And, and being responsible to reach our own kids for Christ. Uh, to be responsible to, to train up our teenagers in the things of God. So how can we build this family's legacy? i got three points for you this morning. Really? really? Ready? To take notes? Yeah. Three points. Every good sermon, and this is a classic one you'll ever hear, has three points. So I got three. <laughs> Number one, you got to live out Jesus in front of your family. That's pretty simple, but it's so profound. Live, live it out. I'll give you an example. Abraham is one of the iconic stories in the Bible, and Abraham's faith produced so much. Abraham was one guy that served God, and man, he touched the world. In fact, uh, Abraham's faith produced the nation of Israel, right? That still goes today. Abraham's faith also produced the church because the church in the New Testament is called the seed of Abraham. So Abraham, what Abraham did was profound. So we need to study Abraham and see what Abraham did to, to fulfill his commission. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is the beginning uh, that we've heard of Abraham in the Bible. And this is how everything began with him. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, or later he, he was, his name changed to Abraham. said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Interesting. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this may sound kind of crazy, you know, hang in here with me as I say this. Abraham had to leave his family to ultimately bless his family. Say that again. Abraham had to leave his family to ultimately bless his family. What do you mean, brother? Well, Abraham had to first of all put God and what God told him, number one. And when he did that, then the result of that was his family came back to him. But we have to serve Jesus, number one. The best way to win your family is for you to put Jesus number one and then walk it out before them. And begin to walk for, with God. You know, when I got saved, 
Trudy and I got saved. We were so excited. And we, I mean, we, we witnessed to anything that walked. I would pull over. I'd be driving through town. Somebody's walking down the road. I would pull over and witness to them, tell them about Jesus. I was so excited about the Lord. So I couldn't wait to tell my dad. My dad was not a Christian. My dad uh, had had, I mentioned, had a lot of trouble with alcoholism. So we went to, my mom was a Christian, but my dad was not. So we went out to their house, and I, I got my dad, and we were sitting at the kitchen table, and I began to tell him what had happened to us and how we're serving God now and how everything's different. And he listened. He listened respectfully. And when I got done, he looked at me and he said, Okay, I don't want you to ever mention this in my house again. Really? Wow. I mean, I started crying. I said, but what are you going to do? You're going to shut up because that's your dad and that's his house. You know, you can't make your family serve the Lord. But here's what I did. I began to walk it out in front of him. And he was watching me. And here's the deal. People are watching you all the time. Especially when you make a stand for God. They are watching you. Are they really going to live this out? I think my dad did that. And then I did something very sneaky. I began to pray for my dad. And I claimed a scripture. Uh, I claimed Acts chapter 16, verse 31. And that's my second point. I began to pray for my family and stand on God's promises. And this says, Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, that's good news, isn't it? We can stop right there and just have a party and be happy. And yeah, I'll be saved. If I just believe in Jesus, then believing means you're going to begin to... to, uh, correspond your life to Jesus' way of doing things. You know, that doesn't mean that then I can just do anything I want. No, if you're really saved, you're going to begin to change. You're going to begin to bear fruit, right? Talked about that. So that's good news, but it goes, it goes on past that. And this is a promise you can claim. You'll be saved and your household. And that means your family. And I begin to claim that and pray that for my dad, and I begin to do it every day. In my prayers, I included this scripture. And I said, Lord, I believe in my dad is going to be saved. Whatever it takes. I say, Lord, send angels into his path. Lord, send people that he'll listen to into his path. Lord, I pray you're dealing with my dad. I claimed his salvation. You know, God answers prayer. Did you know that? So I prayed that, and I've been praying that for three or four or five years. And one day, I'm mopping a floor. I had a job in a restaurant then. And I'm mopping a floor. And I don't know, just in a moment, I had a witness on the inside. The Lord spoke to me. And he said this. Your dad will be saved. And I knew that I knew. You know, you can have things in your knower even before they get there. And so I just, I'd pray still, but I, I don't know. I had a joy about this now. Well, didn't happen right away. In fact, three or four or five more years later, one day we get a phone call on a Sunday afternoon. And it's my mom. And they're on a trip. And they're in Arkansas. And my, for some reason, my dad went to church that day. And the preacher preached, and, and he didn't give an altar call. So they went back to the hotel. And my mom and dad are talking. Mom says to my dad, she kind of ventured out there. She said, uh, what would you think about that today? And he said, yeah, it's good. She said, uh, do you know what that preacher was talking about? He wasn't saved. He said, oh, my dad didn't say much. Yeah. She said, if he would have given an altar call to get saved, would you have done that? Yeah. She said, you want to pray with me right now to be saved? Yeah. He prayed with my mom, and that day my dad got saved. And he's in heaven today. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Now, remember Uncle A.B.? Remember the story Uncle A.B.? 
few years after this, uh, this is about 1977, I worked for a year in that town where he lived, Lockney, Texas. And really, I hated that job, and I didn't enjoy my time there. But I think maybe God sent me there just for Uncle A.B., because I'd see him in the store, and then he'd invite me over, we'd have dinner, and on New Year's Day, 1978, sitting in his house, and we're talking, and remember, Uncle A.B.'s hard of hearing, so you have to yell talk with him. It's kind of uncomfortable, the whole conversation. But I'm talking to Uncle A.B. about Jesus, and I get to a point, I said, Uncle A.B., would you like to ask Jesus in your heart? Yeah, I would. Okay, follow me in prayer. Uncle A.B. followed that prayer, and he yelled himself into the kingdom of God that day. <laughs> a few months later, he was in the hospital dying, and I was with him. And I'd go over and pray for him, lay my hands on him. I don't know how much he knew. I left. I stayed with him all night. The next morning, I left. I got home. Dad called me and said, he's gone. But I know he's in heaven today. I know he's in heaven today. See, pray, your, pray for your family. Stand for your family. Live it out and then pray for them. And then number three, this is my last point. Be purposeful to pass down your history. Talk to your kids. Talk to your grandkids about what God's done. You know, it's, it's amazing. Life goes by so fast. I, I just, you know, I'm standing up here this morning and... Uh, I'm just thinking about how that when I started, I was always the young guy in a group of people. And I was the kid, you know. And I'd think, well, people don't listen to me. I'm just a kid. But somehow that's changed over the years. And now everywhere I go, I'm the old guy in the room. When we have new song staff meetings, I'm by far the oldest guy there. But I'm still pretty good. Still move around. Did you see that? But we're called to pass down our legacy. And you know what? Just, just a side note, but I think older people today are cooler than they were. Right? KJ, don't you think? Um, we are? Oh, man. Uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, it's like all my older relatives were trying to look old. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it, all the ladies had these little granny hairdos. They were, had granny glasses. It's like they had these big old dresses, and it's like, I don't think, I mean, they were younger than me, a lot of, the, of them, but they looked like they were trying to hit 80 right there, you know? And, uh, and you know, I remember some of those family gatherings. I, I had an aunt named Aunt Bess, and Aunt Bess looked just like that. And Aunt Bess would sit around, and, you know, family talking back in the, in the 60s, uh, 50s and 60s, and she, would, she always had a green bean can, and she dipped snuff. And she get spit into that can. I'm a little kid, and I'm going, "Hey, I don't want to see what's in that can." Yeah, but I think I think older people are cooler today. Uh, do you know the the average age for being a first time grandparent is 47 years old? People live longer today. Today's grandparents are healthier. They're more street smart. They're more computer smart. I'm preaching from an iPad this morning because I'm cool. Uh, they drink lattes. I had one this morning, excuse me. Uh, they're, more, they're more traveled. When I was a kid, I was raised in the panhandle of Texas on a farm. And I never left Texas until I was like 16, 17 years old. 
Now, now I travel, that's part of my, that's been part of my ministry. I've traveled for years. I have over 3 million miles on American Airlines alone. Gone all over the world. The world's smaller than it was, right? And then I like this one. Uh, Older people today are more sexually active than previous generations. Let's look at some scripture about this, okay? I lost a bunch of you right there. Psalm, Psalm 71, 17. I love this. Oh, God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed and gray-bearded, oh, God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. Your power to everyone who is to come. That's what I'm doing today. Psalm 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. We're supposed to pass this down. There's power when a family is serving God and generations come along. There's such power in that. You know... uh, when we were young, Trudy and I were young, we had Brooke was, was, was two, I think. I think this was 1977. And I knew I was called into ministry, but uh, I knew I wasn't quite ready yet. I was kind of waiting. The Bible talks about you wait on your ministry. You know, and, and, and ministry's not like another occupation because the Holy Spirit prepares you and, and church prepares you. And so anyway, we're, we're learning things in church. We're growing in Christ, committed ourselves to church. But I needed a job uh, because that was the job I had in Lockney, and that was a bad job. Here's a bad job. Long hours, low pay. That's a bad job, and that's what I had. So I decided to go to trade school, and, but it was going to take a year of my life to go to this trade school. I was going four days a week, full, you know, eight to five to learn this trade. And, uh, and so I, I couldn't work very much. I worked at night. Trudy worked part-time, but we weren't making much money. And, and God designed things to happen. We had our house payment deferred for a year, which really helped us. Uh, but then God began to supernaturally come through for us. We had this little old lady that lived next door, next door to us named Mima George. And we're in school. And I'm telling you, man, I'm making $50, $60 a week, our joint salary. $50, $60 a week. In 1977, that was not any money. But Mima George would show up from... She did this about every day for a while. And she would bring a dish of food that she had cooked. And Meemaw George was an awesome cook. And she'd say, honey, I just fixed too much food today. And can y'all use this? And we'd go, yes, we can. Man, it's mashed potatoes. And, you know, and, and, and I believe it's like the ravens that fed Elijah, right? You know the story. But so we went through that year. It was kind of tough. And yet God was taking care of us. And we served God. We went to church when we could. And here's another thing we did. We tithed. And our tithe was 5 or $6 a week. That ain't much tithe money. We weren't keeping the church going. But we were being faithful to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you've got to be faithful to God and serve Him no matter what. If you have financial need today, and I'm talking to somebody, your answer is serving God with your money. pastor talked about it. Give out of your need. So we get to the end of the year. I'm just about out of school. And it's Christmas time, right? And so uh, I can't afford a tree. You know, trees then were, what, $25, $30? I can't afford $25, $30. 
That's half my salary. So I waited till like two days before Christmas. Maybe Christmas Eve, I don't remember. But I go to this store, and then you know what you got. You got all the ragged trees laying there, right? So I look around, and they were all horrible. But I picked this tree up, and I stood it up. It's pretty tall, and it looked pretty good, like from here down. But then, like right down here at the bottom, there's these long branches sticking out. So I thought, well, I can cut that off. But then I, I stood there and turned it around, flipped it around, and there was nothing on the back side. But I thought, well, our house is not very big. We'll just shove it up against the wall. So, you know, so you need decorations for a tree. We don't have anything. But Trudy's pretty inventive. And she had saved all these little uh, pantyhose things called legs pantyhose. I don't know. They, they don't have that anymore, right? They do? They still have that? But they, back in those days, they had displays. And they, were, they looked like an egg. And they had pantyhose in it. And they called them legs, L-E-G-G-S. Very creative marketing. And uh, so Trudy had gotten some of those, and she saved them. And so we don't have any decorations for the tree. So she gets this idea. She takes those pantyhose deals, and, and she puts a little lace around them herself. And, and she, she made them look like a Christmas ornament. And then we stuck a hook on there, and we hung them on our tree. In fact, I got a picture one right here. Because now, that's what they look like. And that's our tree this year. Now, i got to tell you, we have a tree now. We have an awesome tree. It's beautiful. It's a fake tree. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know what I'm talking about? No, not that much. But, and the decorate Trudy's got this, like, great decorations, like from high-end department stores, glass decorations. Our tree's beautiful. But every year, we put that right there in our tree. In fact, my kids have these. Josh and Sarah have one on their tree. Brooke and Scott have one on their tree. And when we have Christmas with the kids, we sit and we talk about what God did. And how God in 1977 was faithful. And how He'll be faithful to you. And we memorialize, sorry, the faithfulness of God. And see, that's speaking to my kids and my grandkids louder than anything we could say. You have to... You have to pass down your faith. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. You know, as I'm this in this time of my life, I see that life is short. Very short. And it says this, He, made, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And He has put eternity in their hearts. Jesus has put eternity. You know what that means? In the grand scheme of things, there's this little piece of time we all have. It's like from Adam and Eve to the end of time. There's coming a day that things are going to change. Jesus is coming back. He won't come back the second time like He came the first time. He came as the Lamb to sacrifice His life for you and for me. He laid His life down. When He comes back, darling, it's not going to be like that. He will come back as a conquering king. He will come back with fire in his eyes and judgment is coming. But listen, we have this peace. You know, James talks about it's like a vapor. It's like a And it's short in the, in the grand scheme of things. But it's what you have. It's what I have. And we have to run it with passion. We have to do what we're called to do. It begins with your family. But then it touches the world. 
You know, I'm so proud of this church. I can't tell you what this means to me. But God had this church in mind even before we got saved. Do you know the book I told you about? New song? That's the name of the book. New song by Pat Boone. A new song is what opened our eyes to begin to see the greatness of God. A new song. You know, that's ironic. God had a new song in mind even before there was a Josh and Sarah. There was barely barely a Kenny and Trudy. That's God's way. And I just want to say to you today, stand up for Jesus in your family. Pray for them. Live this thing out. One day Trudy was thinking about this scripture actually. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. God moves on the inside of us. She said, I was thinking about that, and she does this. She said, I begin to just kind of see in my imagination. It's like a vision, really. And she said, I saw uh, a big stadium full of people. Like, I mean, a huge stadium. And they're getting ready to run a track meet. And these runners, and these are like the best runners in the world. They're, they're getting ready to run, and the, and the guy's about to shoot the gun, fire the pistol, and they're going to take off, so they're all getting in their blocks. But then she said, as they're, before the gun is, is sounded, she said there was like a roar that began at this end of the stadium. And she said it was like began to over here, and then it just got bigger, and it became deafening. And it was because somebody was walking in. And the one walking in was the champion. She said, I just knew that was the champion. And she said, when he came in, all the attention went to him. And all the runners looked over, and they saw the champion coming. And they just got up and kind of went, oh, we're not going to run. That's a champion. Nobody can beat, the, beat him. It's the best. The champion was Jesus. And he walked up, and he had medals hanging from ribbons on his arm. He said, you guys ready to run? And they said, no. No, we can't beat you. What do you mean? We're not going to run. I mean, you're the champion. He said, well, I'm not running this race. He said, now, I am in a sense running it, but I've already run my own personal race. This is your race. I'm going to help you run it. But you got to run it. And then before they took off, he began to put these medals, gold medals, on each of, their, on each of them around their neck. And they're confused. They said, what are you doing? Why are you these medals on us we haven't run the race yet he said I crown you as champion before you run and the only way that you'll lose is if you quit the only way you'll lose is if you quit listen Christmas is coming glorify God in your Christmas stand up for Jesus in your Christmas don't be weird with your family but let them know God is in my life you know, you don't have to get up and stand on the table and preach to them. I'm not talking about being weird. But I'm talking, you be a living witness for Jesus. And then, that will touch the world. I love the fact that this church is going to touch the world. I'm so proud to be a part of that, aren't you? Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know this champion I'm talking about this morning, you don't know Jesus, you're not right with God, you say, Pastor Ken, I want to be. Well, here's what you got to do. You got to believe it, and then you got to pray it. And you got to believe it when you pray it. And I want you to know that's what I did. And a miracle happened in a moment of time. And my life was changed forever and ever. And if you've never prayed that prayer, ask Jesus into your heart. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to all pray together this morning. I'm going to lead you. You pray what I pray. And if you've never received Christ, 
You can do so right now as we pray this prayer. Are you ready? I want everybody to say it with me. Everybody from the front to the back, all the sides. Here we go. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the price Jesus paid. I give you glory for it. And I believe when he died that day, he died for me. My name was on that. And I confess, Jesus, you are my Lord. Forgive my sin. Believe you rose from the dead. And now you live in me. And I receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.